All right, we are starting a new series this morning, so I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm excited about this. We've been thinking about it for a while, and I want you to write the, the, the title of this series that we're starting this morning at the top of your page, your top of your phone, whatever it is that you're taking notes with. The series that we are starting this morning is called Hashtag Church. Hashtag church. So I want you to write that at the top of your page. And I would say that everybody knows what a hashtag is, but I don't know that that would necessarily be true, which, you know, we got a diverse crowd in here and I'm thankful for that. So a hashtag is that little something that you put on the end of your social media post, right, to kind of accentuate what you're trying to display to the world, right? It's just kind of a little addition on the end, and, and it just kind of makes it better. And the, the nature of your post determines the hashtag that you use, right? You don't use every hashtag for everything. Come on, you're all social media pros. You know this. You got to pick it right. You got to use it at the right time, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just a little, little something something to make your post stick out a little bit more. It's got to go with it and all that kind of stuff. And the truth is, we're, we're doing this series called Hashtag Church because in our social media, millennial, modern exis- existence right now, it's pretty easy for church to become a hashtag to our life, right? It's pretty easy for it to just kind of become this thing that, that we add on when it kind of makes sense, when it fits into the bigger picture of our lives, right? Just like your Instagram post, the hashtag's got to fit with the picture. Sometimes church becomes this thing and we just kind of, we add on when it works, when it makes sense and it gets left off when it doesn't quite fit what's going on in the bigger picture. Is that true for anybody else? Or has anybody been there before? Okay. Y'all are super holy. Okay. So I don't, I don't know what you think about church this morning. I don't know where you're coming from, uh, but I bet if I sat down and I asked you, you know, this, just this generic question, what do you think about church? I'm sure that you'd have some sort of answer. What do you think about church? I'm sure there'd be an answer that you have. And uh, it's not really a foreign question, especially, you know, you're here. Maybe you've been to church before. Maybe this is your first time here. I, I don't know. But there's probably some thoughts that you have about church, church in general, this church, just, you know, thoughts about church. It's not a foreign question for us. And for um, us, you know, as, as I, uh, you know, we're, we're past, we're doing this church thing and I'm talking to people about Jesus a lot and we ask this question, what do you think about church? I think that for the most part, the truth is that in our life right now and the way that we exist and operate, the way that we answer this question, what do you think about church? Uh, we we, we kind of determine this a lot like we determine what we think about anything else. Like we flip through Instagram, right? We just go to the business's Instagram page, the person's Instagram page, the, the Instagram page, we just start flipping through it. And when it comes to church, we, we can do that with life, whether it's literally going to the Instagram post or, or we kind of evaluate on, on this Instagram idea, like that we, we kind of go to the, we go to church, you're here this morning, this is kind of the profile and you kind of check out the different posts. Like, okay, they got their pastor and they got the worship team and they got the songs that we do and the way small groups happen and some things that happen in the community. There's all these different posts going on and when we're trying to figure out what do we think about church, when we see something we like, a little heart lights up, right? Just like at the bottom of that Instagram post, it just lights up. I like that. And when we don't see something that we like, we just, just keep scrolling, you know? Just keep scrolling until you find something that you do like. When you do like, heart lights up. If not, just keep scrolling and you'll find something, right? So there's this question, what, what, do, you, what do you think about church? And that's kind of a, you know, it's a fine question, but it's a deeper question because if you ask that question to a lot of people, if I ask that question to you, it hits on a lot of other types of questions as well. And maybe you have some of these questions, but... Even if you don't, there's definitely a lot of people in your life that do have these kinds of questions because if you say something like, what do you think about church? 
they got to answer some other questions too. Like, is God even real? You know, like, why would I even go to church? Well, I guess, is God real? And even if God is real, like, what does church have to do with anything? What does a Sunday morning activity have to do with anything? And why are we, what, what are doing, people doing here? Can I just connect with God on my own? There's, there's a lot of questions, even though it's a little bit simple. There's a lot of layers to it. And as we get started this morning uh, with this series, and we get started, obviously, with this sermon right now, but the series in general, I want to I make a confession at the front end here, just so you know, if you don't know this about me, uh, I love church. I love church. I love it. And that may, that, that may surprise you. You can laugh. You can uh, roll your eyes. Of course, you're a pastor. You have to say that. But it doesn't matter to me what you think about what, when I say I love church, because it's kind of like that buddy the elf, like, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care. Who knows? Like, I, I love church. I, I love church. And when I say that, like, I don't necessarily really mean, like, some of the organizational stuff about church that um, you guys don't really deal with, but I do, like, you know, some accounting stuff or, like, the name of the church. And, and even, you know, we meet here, which is cool, but, like, that, I don't love, it's like, it's great, but it's not like, I don't have this affection, you know, for where we meet. But when I talk about love in church, like, I mean a lot of other stuff. Like, I think it's awesome that uh, you decided of your own free will to show up here at 10-ish a.m. this morning. <laughs> 10 very-ish, especially this morning. At 10-ish this morning of your own free will uh, to, to worship God. That's like the one reason you came here. No, no, you didn't pay anybody to come here and nobody's paying you to be here. That's crazy to me. Like you could be doing so many other things and a lot of people are doing a lot of other things at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. But this group of people decided like, I'm gonna get together in a room and we're gonna worship and hang out together. I'm gonna shake a few hands, say hi, see some friends, see some people I don't know. I think that's so cool. Like I think it's amazing that you decided the best use of your time, 10 a.m.-ish Sunday morning, is to come here and worship God. That's, that's just so cool to me. I mean, it's so cool to me that like, uh, Crystal, you know, Crystal showed up at the door and Lindsay showed up and some of the other people, they showed up here earlier than 10, uh, completely volunteering. Nobody's paying them just so that some people could say hi to you when you walked in. Like where else did you go this week where whatever, six or so people showed up early, unpaid, lined up on the route that you were going to take just so that you could know, hey, you're welcome here. Where else? That's so cool. There's a whole bunch of people over in these rooms over here watching your kids, not because they're super passionate about babysitting <laughs> for free. That's not why they're here. They're here because they, they love Jesus. They love you. They love the kids that are over there. And, and not because they love babysitting, but because they really do believe that your kids can be just as much of a disciple of Jesus as you can. And if you can come in this room and learn about God and fall more in love with him, why can't your kids do it too? It's not just babysitting over there. We're trying to make disciples. That, where else did you go this week where that happened? For free. Maybe you paid somebody. I don't know, but definitely not for free. There's so many awesome things going on. Some of you are having an awesome week. Some of you are having a really hard week. Some of you came with like a spouse, a friend. Some of you came alone and not everybody knows, not, no, no one knows everyone here, right? Like that's so cool. But we're all here for one reason, because we want to know Jesus. That's like the one reason we all showed up, the thing we have in common. And then we show up and all of a sudden we get a smile on our face because somebody else smiled, so I'll smile. And that feels awesome to smile, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, it's basic, but I need to smile more. 
I don't know about you. And then, and then Lexia stands up and she shares testimonies of what God's doing, uh, whatever that was. We'll call it Tuesday morning. You had no idea, but God was on the move in our city. That's so cool. And she gets to stand up and just talk about like, hey, when you had no idea God was doing something in my life, that's so cool. I wonder what he was doing in yours. A few weeks ago, uh, we heard about Chad and Hannah Hockett after being, years, being told for years they would never get pregnant. They're pregnant. Like, that's so cool. That's awesome. Amen. The baby is affectionately known as Hawk Hockett right now. So hopefully that's the name. We'll see. But I mean, how cool is that? We just get to show up and hear testimonies about amazing thing God is, things God is doing in normal people's lives every day. Last week, we watched a little video during Give and Take uh, from a guy named Chris V, who you guys had never met, but he's a friend of mine. But this is, this is wild if you think about it, okay? So you come here on Sunday mornings, and sometimes some people give money to this church. And some of the money that is given to this church goes to this guy, Chris V, who you've never met, who lives in Dubai, a place that you've probably never been. And then we get to come and watch a video where Chris V tells us like, hey, because of some of the money that you give comes to me and helps me out, I get to be in this place that you've never been and God's like starting churches and people are getting saved and revival's happening and that's partly because you gave some money in Indianapolis, Indiana to a guy you don't know in a place you've never been. Church, come on. How cool is that? That's just totally wild to me. I mean, then that's just Sunday morning. I love life group. I love that we get together in people's houses and sometimes we have dinner. Sometimes we watch movies. Sometimes we pray and worship and discuss the Bible. We, but we become friends just in somebody's house. Nothing crazy, nothing special. We're just choosing to spend a Monday evening together believing that God's gonna be here with us. Amazing. Like, who else, who does that stuff? Other than Christians, I guess. It's just so awesome. Like, I love, I love church. I love that when we get together as Christians, like if, like if you and I hang out, we get to encourage each other. That's so encouraging. How many people hung out with you just to encourage you this week? Not many, probably. Like, probably not your boss or all your coworkers. I don't know. Definitely not your kids. <laughs> We get to encourage each other. We get to spur each other on because, you know, I love Jesus and I want to serve him with my life. But sometimes that gets hard. Anybody else ever notice that? But when it's hard, you guys are around doing the same thing. And I get to hang out with somebody who encourages me who maybe isn't having a hard time and we just get to feed off of each other. I love church. That's so cool to me. I think that's absolutely amazing that there's people in this room who care about me and my family. Not just like what I can do for you. That's so cool. Like my daughter calls some of your daughters her sisters. Some of your kids call me uncle. Like that's so fun. What are we doing? I just, I love church. I love church. It's so fun. I love that on Thursday morning, some of us get together at Todd and Lexi's house to pray for our city and for our church. And there's usually just a couple of us, but it doesn't matter that it's a couple of us because it's happening for all of us. Like, and you probably experienced something in God this week because some people prayed for you and you didn't know it. That's so cool. I love, I mean, I just love church. Like somebody, you probably got coffee with a friend this week. Uh, some moms got together at a park with their kids to play and just live normal life. I mean, that's awesome. I love church. I think church is so cool. And another thing that I actually really, really love about church, and I, this is probably specific to me because I don't know how you feel about conflict 
a lot of people hate conflict. I kind of like conflict. <laughs> I'm one of those people. I don't know why, but I kind of like it because I, I feel, I'm like, we're getting somewhere. Let's dig in, you know? <laughs> Some of you are like already sweating. <laughs> like, no, you know, <laughs> don't talk to me about that. But I love in church that we can have conflict together and like come out the other side better friends than we started. Yeah. That's so crazy. Where else is that happening in your world, right? Like I had somebody in this church call me this week and this is how the conversation went. You're, you might laugh and think this is funny, but it made my week. I loved it. Somebody called me and they said, hey, I just wanted to call. Uh, I heard that something might be happening that I really care about and have like, I, is, 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 whatever, I was gonna say it. It sounds weird, but it wasn't weird. It was like, hey, um, I heard that something might be happening that I would like to be involved in and I didn't get asked to be involved in that. And I heard that that happened and my feelings started to get hurt. But instead of just having my feelings hurt, I thought I'd call you and see what was going on. And I was able to say, oh, wow, thanks for calling. Yeah, that's actually not happening. That's not even like a thing. And the person said, oh, okay, then my feelings don't have to be hurt. I said, no, they don't. And they said, okay, awesome. Have a great day. <laughs> Imagine some of the conflicts in your life, your family, in our nation, and on this planet that could have been avoided with simple phone calls like that. I love church. Like, we weren't even family. We're just trying to love Jesus together, and that's what came out. How amazing is that? I love church. I think church is so cool. I love seeing lives changed. I love being in the presence of God together. I love that we are all going our separate ways following Jesus this week. I love that marriages are restored. I love that kids are getting saved and meeting Jesus. I love all of this stuff that's happening. I love that we get to give money and God does cool stuff, that bodies are literally being healed. We laugh together. Sometimes we cry together or like get mad at each other, but then it's okay because we love each other and that's awesome. I just love church. Like we share this mission together that's so much bigger than any one of us and it's so much bigger than all of us all together, you know? I just, I love church. So that's my confession <laughs> as we begin this series. I love church, but it hasn't always been that way. I haven't always loved church. I definitely did not always love church. Is there anybody who at one point or another in your life has not loved church? mostly honest people. There's, there, hey, there are those people that, like my wife, I think, is one of these people. Like, really has always loved church. I'm like, are you an angel? Or like, <laughs> not me, you know? I have, but I haven't always loved church. So for me, growing, I grew up in church, but going to church was like not my favorite part of the week, more like my least favorite part of the week. It was always a pain to go to. And what I associated with church was getting in trouble, not by pastors or deacons, but with my parents. Because... Uh, one, of two, one, one thing would happen or both of these things would happen every week. On the way to church, I would get in trouble for forgetting to wear my belt. <laughs> and on the way home from church, I would get in trouble for not looking my parents' friends in the eyes. <laughs> I just could not decide to do either one of those things. But they were right to get mad at me for it and discipline me because, hey, belt. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure I looked at least most of you in the eye this morning. So thank you, Steve and Linda, for raising me right. But that was my, like, that was my concept, my relationship, you could say, with church growing up uh, was, you know, not so fond. It, it's good now, but it wasn't good then, right? You ever had anything in your life like that? 
It's good now. It wasn't always good. Uh, but nowadays, I, I really do love church. And I think there's a fair question to be asked in this is, what changed? Those were drastically different experiences between what I, cons- what I explained that I love and what I uh, explained I didn't love so much. What changed? And so did I suddenly find a church that had like my perfect pastor and my favorite band who played all the best songs and right when I walked in, everybody was best friends with me immediately? Not quite. Not exactly. It's all right. <laughs> That's not exactly what happened. What changed in my relationship with church actually had very little to do with church changing and it had a lot more to do with me changing. Had a lot more to do with a heart change than a church change. In college, I met Jesus and I started following him and I was going to a different church but really on the surface, nothing really that new was happening but God was changing my heart beneath the surface. I started spending time with Jesus on my own and all of a sudden church wasn't this thing to go to just to see what I could get out of it or hopefully just get out of it, you know. It wasn't one of those things anymore. I I came to church, I wanted to grow and I wanted to be challenged, all that kind of stuff, but it wasn't anybody else's job to like make sure I got fed anymore because I was meeting with Jesus every day. Even when the kids are loud, we can hear from God. (laughs) The worship songs, the band, the sound, you know, all that stuff was cool and that was going well at the church and all that kind of stuff. But the truth was that no matter what song they were playing, I was just glad that I could meet with Jesus. And I was like, if this song's about God, we're going to get there. And even if it's not, I can choose to turn my heart to God. So let's do this thing, right? Not that the church wasn't doing songs about God. That came out weird, but you know what I'm saying. I just love that it's like, man, regardless of what we do and how this gets pulled off, we can worship Jesus together. That's so cool. And I started realizing how much Jesus loved me as I got to know him. And that taught me how much he loves everybody else. Because if he loves me this much, then he must love you that much. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. I mean, you're amazing. You're so, you're, you're amazing. Jesus died for you. That's incredible. So you are a really, really big deal to Jesus. And if you're a really big deal to Jesus, then you're a really big deal to me, even if I don't know you, because Jesus loves you so much. That's so cool. And if you're such a big deal to Jesus, then I don't have to worry about much. It's just an honor to be here in a room full of people who mean that much to God. How cool is that? God just changed my heart. Doesn't matter what changed in church. As long as there's people in the room, God loves them, and that's just a cool thing to be a part of. And when Jesus changed my heart, all these things started changing. And as I fell in love with Jesus, I found myself falling in love with the church. It's just interesting. My opinion of church didn't change because my church changed. My opinion of church changed because my definition of church changed. When it comes to church, maybe the most important question isn't, what do you think about church? Maybe the most important question is we step back a little bit and we just say, what is church? I don't know about you, but I have a lot of conversations about what do you think about church? But I think maybe a really good place to start is what is church? What does God say about church? It's a good question. We doing okay with the kids? Anybody thankful they're having a blast? Hey, they're either over there doing it or they're in here doing it. What is church? It's a good question. And as we get started on this series, this is 
a question that I want to talk about. I want to take a few minutes here as we kind of head towards wrapping up our morning this morning. That's my first of a couple closes just to keep you interested. What is church? So as we close this morning, no. I'm going to give you a little whirlwind, I'm talking a whirlwind lesson in uh, what does the Bible say about church? What little, little church history, not like years and dates and all that kind of stuff, but let's go to the Word of God and say, what does God say about church? What does the Bible say about church? So can we do a quick whirlwind lesson? I'm talking like A to Z, beginning to end, in less than seven minutes. Can we do it? So we'll see what happens. Genesis 1, good place to start. Very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 through 3, God creates everything, and he creates Adam, he creates man, and Adam is doing what he's doing, he's naming animals, that's all great, but God says that it's not good for man to be alone. There's animals, there's stuff to do and all of that, but in the midst of all of it, God says it's not good for man to be alone, and a man said, amen. I said, a man said, amen. A married man said, praise the Lord. (laughs) Oh, God knows what he's talking about. So God creates a woman. And another married man said, amen. Am I the only man? Okay. (laughs) So God God makes woman and God makes man and woman in a way that they can multiply their lives. So from the beginning, this wasn't supposed to be an isolated deal. God makes man and woman so that they can multiply their lives. God's plan and desire for humans has always been that they be in community, not isolated by themselves. It's not good to just be alone. So he created an environment where we didn't have to just be alone and we could be in community. So God created you from the beginning to be part of a people, not just be your own person. God created you to be part of the people. So everything's going great, and Adam and Eve um, are are in the garden, but then they sin, and that's not good. They they go their own way, away from what God had designed for them to do, and the first thing that happens when they sin is they start blaming each other. There's this contention between them, and that that goes to show us from the beginning that we are made to be in community, but sin will always try to drive you away from community. It's always trying to draw a wedge between you and other people. And that's why if you've been in church or maybe you're a Christian and you follow Jesus, when you sin, your first reaction is to isolate and be like, don't tell anybody. That's not God. That's not God. It's come in, come close, because you're made to be with other people. So they sin, and this sin starts, not only do they start multiplying their lives, but the sin goes to all these other generations and everything too. So it's pulling people apart. It's pulling people away from the community that they're called to be a part of. So that goes to show that you are made to be built around a community of people who are going after the things of God, not just a group of people of common interest or hobbies, and definitely not just groups of people that are like all do the same wrong stuff together. Because even when, hey, come on, we've all had groups, maybe not all of us, I've had groups of friends that were just built around doing bad stuff. But eventually that falls apart because it's built to drive you apart. So it may work for a little while and common interest, hobbies, all those things are amazing. But at the deepest level, you're made to be a part of a people that are going after the things of God. So that's the story of the Old Testament is that God calls out this nation, Israel, and says, you are going to be my people. He picks one nation from all the nations to say, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be with you. On the surface, that sounds super exclusive. Like, what about everybody else, right? But if you think about it, the reason God had to call out Israel is because he, had to, he wanted to call out one nation so that they could be a display to all the nations about what it's like to be in the blessing of God. So he had to uniquely bless one so that everybody else would think, I want that too. 
can I have some? And that is when God says yes. <laughs> so that's the story of the Old Testament, is God displaying his glory to the world, not through a person, but through a people together, the nation of Israel. Then the New Testament comes along, and Jesus shows up on the scene. Jesus shows up on the scene, and he comes with a simple message, and he says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what he's saying is repent. And what that word means is your way isn't working. Turn around. Anybody ever needed that? Your way's not working. Turn around. But not just turn around. Come to me. This is the call of God to you in your sin. It's not keep running, run far away, run, run, run. It's turn around and come to me. So Jesus comes on the scene, says, turn around, your way isn't working, come to me. He doesn't give us a shameful rebuke, he gives us an amazing invitation, amen? And he invites us to pray, Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Turn around, come to me, and let the kingdom of God come on earth. In other words, let the reality of the rule and reign of Jesus in your life multiply into the whole world. Quite a big concept. So Jesus comes. He makes a way for us to turn to him. He teaches us how to pray. And then in Matthew 16, I know I told you Ephesians 5. You're okay. Matthew 16, this happens. We're going to read this real quick. Matthew 16 and 13, we read this story. Jesus is with his disciples, and it says this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he says to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replies, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose in, on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Kind of a lot. But the quick summary is Jesus turns to his friends and asks the most important question that they could ever be asked and that you could ever be asked is, who do you say Jesus is? He says, hey guys, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are God. And Jesus freaks out kind of. And is like, yes, nobody told you that. God told you that. Nobody else could tell you that. God told you that. That is, that is revelation from heaven, Peter. I'm gonna change your name. I'm gonna name you Rock because that revelation, that understanding of who I am is what I'm gonna build my church on for all of time and the gates of hell won't be able to come against it and whatever the church blesses will be blessed. Whatever, the church, whatever darkness the church binds, it will be bound on this revelation that Jesus is the son of the living God. I'm gonna build my church, Peter. Wow, wow. This church, this cornerstone revelation of Jesus is the son of the living God becomes, becomes the foundation. It becomes the, 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 the platform, the profile for Jesus on earth so that when people see this profile of the church, they see what Jesus is really like. You're not called just to be saved. You're called to be a part of a people. You are called to be a part of Jesus's church, the people of God. Talking about church, all this stuff is going on. We read Matthew 16, Jesus goes crazy. All these big words are happening. But the truth is, is that not only is the church, the 
Israel back then and us now is this thing on Sunday morning. Not only that, not only is the church a group of people or an organization or a brand or a service or a ministry or a cause, but as we wrap up this morning, I want to read Ephesians 5 that I called you to earlier. I want to read a few verses here in Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm telling you now, we're going to start in verse 22, go, for, go through verse 33, whoa, go through verse 33, that bumped my belt buckle, because I'm wearing a belt. So this is going to feel like a big subject change, okay? Because we're about to read about marriage, and it, we're stepping into this letter that God used a guy named Paul to write to this church to explain to them how to do godly marriage, okay? So it feels like a big subject change, but it isn't. Just trust me on that and stick with me. Will you stick with me? Yeah. Awesome. So he's giving clarity on marriage, and he says this, starting in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his himself, its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave, him up, gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself, meaning that God might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay, so 11 verses, a lot about marriage, but keeps talking about this church thing in the midst of marriage. And in the middle of a passage in the Bible where God is explaining to us how to do marriage, he keeps drawing these parallels between how a husband ought to treat his wife and how God sees his church. And then towards the end in verse 32, we read it, but uh, I don't, it's just crazy to me. We're, we're reading about marriage and there's these parallels and all this stuff, but then God takes this massive leap from just practical help in marriage to inserting this big statement. He says, this mystery is profound, meaning marriage. This marriage thing is, is a mystery. Somebody said amen. <laughs> and it is profound. <laughs> it is a mystery, indeed. So he, he throws in this, this phrase. This mystery, marriage, is profound. And I'm saying that it, marriage, refers to Christ and the church. So interesting, because in a world where church has become a hashtag, it's become an afterthought, it's become an add-on, it's become an accessory to our social lives, an accessory to our spiritual lives, something that we kind of add into our lives whenever it fits into the bigger picture. In a world where church has become a hashtag, God steps in and says, church isn't a hashtag, it's not an accessory, the church is my bride. The church is my bride, and I love her a lot. Kind of a big turn. I don't know if you've been to a wedding before. I'm sure you have. But um, it's, 
The weddings don't operate like the way social media does and the way we operate in a lot of the other areas of our life because it seems like a wedding is kind of the one spot where um, you know the, the woman comes down the aisle and nobody gets to stand up. There's no comment bat box that's passed to let you know, to, for you to give your input on what you think about how you would have done the hair differently or if you would have picked the dress differently or she doesn't pass by every guest to make sure, am I, do I look the way you would prefer me to look before I walk down the aisle? Nobody, nobody gets to make those kind of comments or, or assertions at a wedding because you just stand up to honor her. Everybody just stands up to honor the bride and, and adore her just because she's beautiful. And regardless of if you would have picked the hair to be done that way, if you would have done the dress this way or that way, she's beautiful. She's beautiful regardless of how she maybe did it differently than you. And she's beautiful, not even necessarily because of the hair or because of the dress, but because she's a bride. She's just beautiful. And not only is there the bride coming down the aisle, but on the other end of the aisle is the groom. And if you've ever looked at the groom when the bride is walking down the aisle, he's usually losing his mind in one way or another. He's freaking out, right? Maybe he's laughing, smiling. He, maybe he's crying. Maybe he's trying to stand up. I don't know. But he's going bananas because he's just overwhelmed. He's so overwhelmed. And yes, the hair looks awesome. And the dress is amazing. But what's really exciting is it's just his bride. It's not really about the hair, really about the dress. He's just in love with his bride. And I wonder sometimes with this question, what do you think about church? Where does church fit into our life? What do we think about this? I wonder if we would answer that question a little bit differently sometimes if we saw the church a little more like how Jesus sees his bride and a little less like an Instagram profile that we just get to flip through and give our opinion on. What if we just saw the church as a bride? What if when we talk about church, we didn't talk about it like somebody's profile, but we talked about it like somebody's bride who's coming down the aisle? That was the perspective that we started with. And I wonder what would happen if we, as the people of God, didn't talk about church in terms of them and they and it, but more in terms of me and us. If we consider ourselves part of it, because when we start to understand how much Jesus loves his church, we'll start to understand how much Jesus loves us. We are the church. We are his bride. And if church is just a hashtag, then so are we. But when Jesus came to reveal to us who God is, he did not show us a God who was indifferent towards us or who saw us as profiles to examine and critique and decide if he liked or didn't like. When Jesus came to show us what God was like, he came and showed us a God who is like a husband who is madly in love with his bride. And he will do anything to be with her. He will give anything to be with her. He loves her so much. And the church isn't out there. We are the church. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Jesus. That's who you are. 
not just you alone, but all of us together. And when we talk about church and say it's, that it's the bride and the church is beautiful and that's how God sees the church, I'm not saying that we're perfect. I mean, when I look around, I see a room full of people like me. And I don't know about you, but I have learned that us people can get a little crazy sometimes. And it's definitely not perfect. It's not perfect. And I'm not saying the church is perfect. I'm not saying we're perfect, but we are loved. We are loved, and that's amazing. And we, the church, Jesus promised us, is being built by him so that we can bind up darkness in this world, so that we can release blessing in this world, and so that we can stand firm in a shaking world against anything that comes against us and be a rescuing place for people who need help. That's who we are. The world needs us. What do you think about church? I think, I think that the world needs church. Not church, the organization, not church, even just the Sunday morning, but you, us, we, the church. I think the world needs us. I think the world needs us, the church, and I think us, the church, need you. I wanna encourage you as we close this morning for real to take this thought with you this week. How do I give myself to Jesus' bride? How do I play my part? I wanna invite you to stand this morning as we wrap up. I started this morning talking about loving the church, talking about loving the church, how I just love church, you know? And as I thought about how do we wanna, you know, end this message, but start this series and all that kind of thing. That, that's simply the invitation that I want to give to you. I don't really know how practical it is, and I don't even know like how you do it or whatever, but I want to invite you to allow yourself to fall in love with the church. Not Antioch, but the church. Allow yourself to fall in love with the people of God. And the way you start, I think, by loving the church is by loving Jesus first. I love in Jesus first and putting him first in everything in your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never decided to love Jesus, to give him your life, it's a great place to start. Now's a great time to start. To give your life to Jesus and become part of his bride. So first we love Jesus and second we start by just starting to really, really love one another. I wanna encourage you to continue to dig deeper in your life. How do you love one another? How do you love people around you? How do we honor one another in everything that we do? How do we celebrate one another? How do we settle offenses with one another? How do we serve one another? And how do we build one another up? This is how we love each other. And this is how we love the church, the bride of Christ. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and, and pray with me this morning. And as I pray and we worship one more song together, I just want to invite you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit and just ask him, Lord, where do I respond? Where do I need to see where you, where do I need to see what you think about your church more than what I think about it? And God, where, where am I playing my part? Where can I step in? What does it look like to love your church like you do? And if you're here this morning and you want to start following Jesus and you need to turn your life to Jesus, as I pray, you can just tell him, Jesus, I maybe don't have all the answers, but I believe that you are God. And I ask that you would take my life, would you forgive my sins, and would you invite me in to your kingdom? Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for your church. We thank you for your love. We thank you that you came to show us that you are an incredible God who loves us in an incredible way 
I thank you for your promise this morning that you will build your church. Not you will build this church, but you will build your church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And we'll be able to bind up darkness and release blessing. Lord, I pray that that would be the testimony of our lives. That would be, that would be the testimony of us, your bride. That we stand, or we are able to stand in hard times. And that we release blessing everywhere we go. And that we bind up darkness everywhere we go. Pray that you would come and you'd speak to us, Holy Spirit. Would you show us your love, show us how much you love us, and teach us how much you love those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.